Also, afterwards in the lobby, Pastor Eric will be just hanging around guest services. And if you're one of those that are interested in baptisms on Easter, we'd love to talk with you, have conversation, and he'll be there to have conversation with you. Uh, I am Pastor Steve, one of the pastors here on staff, and welcome. You are here as we continue in our series, Ageless God, Modern Message. Just together, we are journeying through the book of John as we learn to listen, as we learn to uh, get attuned to what God is saying, and not only hear, but to also yield and to uh, submit to what he is leading in our lives. And we've been walking through the book of John, and last week was uh, Pastor Eric in John chapter 11. And believe it or not, that, that really is the, John 11 is the culmination of Jesus' ministry. Up through 1 through 11 covers basically the first three years of Jesus' active ministry on earth, culminating in the event he talked about last week, the raising of Lazarus. And uh, that was, of course, a big event that caught a lot of publicity, uh, a lot of notoriety, and a lot of people started to believe in him, which made the leaders, the religious leaders, even more angry, even more upset. In fact, if you go back and read John chapter 11, verse 50, when the religious leaders are meeting Caiaphas, who was the high priest for the year, made a really prophetic statement, although he didn't know it. He said, don't you all realize that it's better for one man to die for the people than for the whole nation to perish? Thinking, of course, that the, Israelite, or the Romans were going to come in and, and, and squelch this and put them even more into, into submission, but not knowing what he was really saying. And so the, the, the heat was coming up, but now we get to, to what you're going to be reading uh, the next week and the next two weeks, actually, is the, really the last week of Jesus' life. We come to chapter 12, and the book just slows down. Instead of covering the first three years from 12 to 21, we go through the last week of Jesus' life plus a few more days. So as you read it this week, and as you read it next week, realize that, this is the, that John is just giving us details of what's going on in this last week that are precious and that teach us. And so we see that, that there's this... Um, conflict that continues to grow, and of course, in chapter 12 uh, is beginning of this last week of Jesus' life is what we know as the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday. So Jesus comes in, the crowds, many of those were people who had been there when Lazarus was healed, and they're shouting and they're praising the Lord and praising Jesus, and of course, this is just making those religious leaders angrier and angrier. And so begins the last week of Jesus' life. We pick up today, later in the week, in fact, just hours before Jesus dies. Just hours before he is going to go to the cross, give his life for, for us, just hours before he's going to be placed into the grave, less than 24 hours, we come to what we know as, many of us, the Last Supper. And we read today from John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. 17, excuse me, 1 through 17. If you're reading from your Bibles there in the pews, it's page number 735. But it's also going to be on the screen for you. The story goes like this. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that his father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who was with him, and said, Lord, are you going to, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one of them was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very, very, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. As we mentioned, this is the scene of the Last Supper. And John, interestingly, if you compare John to the other gospel writers, he, he kind of takes a different angle. In fact, John never mentions in his passage the passing of the bread, the breaking of the bread and passing it, and the, bra- and the passing of the, of the, of the drink, of the, of the wine. And, and he's, he just, he doesn't mention that. Why? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he knew and he had read some of the version, some of the passages of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that had already been re- recorded and written down and then passed around. He said, well, everybody knows those stories. But then he includes this story, which none of the other ones do. So maybe a better question is, why did the other ones skip this story? <laughs> why didn't they want to mention the story about washing the feet of the disciples. As, as we read back, if you go back into Luke chapter 22, you know that this took place in an upstairs room, a guest room that Jesus had told them to find. It was furnished, and they went up together into that room. We were there in Israel a couple years ago. Here's a picture that we took going up to that way. You might not be able to read that, but it says the room of the Last Supper, and that's a plaque. And what that plaque says is this. A hall built in the Middle Ages at a place where, according to Christian tradition, Jesus partook of the Passover Eve meal with his disciples just before the crucifixion. Now, the Passover Eve meal, again, they were gathered to celebrate and remember that meal that the Jewish people would celebrate, remembering their deliverance from, miraculously, from Egypt. When the blood of the lamb was shed, the lamb was killed and the blood was placed on around the door so that the death angel would pass over their families and they would be spared and the Israelite people were allowed to leave Egypt and they remember that through this Passover. It also says though on that plaque that this was built in the Middle Ages. So when you go there, you've got to understand we're not standing in the same room that Jesus stood. <laughs> in fact, we're not even sure it's the same spot that Jesus would have had this. Most of, his, most of Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, and there's been other uh, destructions and, and problems since then that really have made for sure, but 
but they have, a, they have a belief that this could be. This is also the place where they believe King David was buried. In fact, on the first floor is where uh, King David is deemed to be buried and a prayer room that you get to stop by when you're there. Uh, but I don't know, this, this picture was actually taken by one of our people in the service here today, Bill Fainrich. And I don't know, Bill, how you got this picture because I never saw it like this. Every time I saw it, it was like this. Look at all the people, you know. Every time, this is a crowded place. In fact, I think I still have bruises on my side from these nuns who were walking by elbowing to get by me. You know, they were just, boom, you know, get out of the way, kid. You know, I'm just like, oh, man. You know? And it's like, it's massive people heading up there. And it just, no matter, and, and so it's, 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 it's a crowded place. It's not the actual place, of course, built much later. deemed to be built in the Middle Ages, 1100, 1200. Here's a picture of the outside of it up there in the upper room. You see that didn't look like that. It was not Gothic architecture, but it, it was an upper room, maybe at this place. Here's a picture of the inside. Uh, the inside we go in and, and, you know, it's one of these places where you'd love to have a moment of silence and quiet by yourself, but it isn't that way. There's people everywhere and we were, everybody's reading scripture, which is great, but it's just noisy. And, and so it's a, it's a neat place to be though, as you sit back and you think, you know, here I am in a place similar or, or about where the Lord would have celebrated this, this supper. And you, you think about him together, just hours. Think about it, just hours before he knew he was gonna die. Hours. And he has one last time to spend with his, his, his team, his disciples. And we're reminded of his love for us. In fact, we're reminded of it in that very first verse of what we read today in John chapter 13, verse one, when he says this. It was before the Passover festival, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. This is the when. It, when it, was, it was just before the Passover. It's part of this Passover festival. But it also tells us a little bit about Jesus. All through the scriptures here in John, he's been revealing to us who Jesus is. Who is this man? Who is this man? Who is this man? And he's letting us know now as we get close today, Jesus knew who he was all along. It says, in fact, he, he knew the hour had come to go to the Father. Verse 3 there says that um, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And he had come from God and he's returning to God. You might have remembered a few weeks ago, we were talking about the shepherd, the good shepherd. And Jesus said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now he says, but, he says, he says the good, I lay down my life voluntarily. I, I have the power to lay it down. I have the authority. I also have the authority to take it back up. No one takes my life. I give it. He knew who he was. He knew he was from God and he knew he was returning to God. There was just little, in, this, this just little inconvenience here in between, something called the cross that he was gonna have to endure. I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. But then the verse goes on and says this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's why this, this verse sets up these next five chapters, which are all this final night of Jesus, his, his praying, his teaching, his caring for his own. He loved his own. You right, might remember the first series, first sermon in the series. He came to his own, John 1, 11, but his own received him not. So his own is now a new own. 
He, the own is now, the, is not the, the Jewish people. His own are these 12 men that are in this room. There's nobody else. Jesus' life is on the line. They're, they're looking for him. He's got a death sentence. They are meeting in secret. And so they're here, and, and he's, he, the, the scripture tells us he's loving them. This tense of this verb here says he's loved them from the beginning. Not just from the beginning when he met them, when he called them. <laughs> he's loved them far longer than that. He's long, he loved them when they were born. He loved them before they were born. Jesus' love for them is, is he's, he's loved them from the beginning. And he's loved them to the end. That, that, he, it means there is no end of his love. It's an everlasting love. It's an unrelenting love. And he's loved them that much. And when we see this passage, when we see these five chapters, we got to understand this is Jesus pouring out his love to his disciples. Because actually some people call this event here today, we're reading about the, the real beginning of the church. Now we have, of course, the Holy Spirit coming later. But this is, this is, this is Jesus' own. This is his team. This is who he's left with. There's just one problem. They got dirty feet. <laughs> they got dirty feet. You know, the, of course, the, the uh, um, custom in that day was that you would have a bowl uh, outside the, or right inside or right outside the front door where when people come, the slave or the servant of the house would go and because the streets were dirty, dusty, they were, many of them were just dirt and if it rained, it was muddy and so feet would get dirty and the sandals would get dirty. You could take your sandals off but your feet are still dirty and so it was the job of the servant, the lowest person that would be in that house to wash the feet of those who came. If it was a gathering of, maybe you didn't have a servant and it was a gathering of a group, it would typically be the responsibility of the first person. The first person who arrives to, to do the job and, and they would wash as the other people would come in. And you know the story if you've, well, we just read it. Many of us know this story very well. Jesus takes on that form of a servant. Jesus begins to disrobe pick up the basin, the towel, and to wash the feet of his disciples. It reminded me this, uh, this past summer, and we're going to do something like this again this summer. Uh, at our house, we had what we called the party with the pastor, and for people who, who hadn't really connected yet, and friends maybe new to friends, we had three different times where we invited a group of people, big groups of people to our house, and we just had a great time. And one of the things we asked is some elders to come help us out. So they came to help us out, and we were preparing. And before the first party at the pastors, it was a, it was a one of those nice summer or, or spring days, but it turned into a very stormy evening. And uh, I remember because I'm, you know, Sheila's there running around getting everything ready and I'm, I'm doing something. I mean, watching TV or something. I don't know. But no, <laughs> no I'm working too. Uh, but we're getting ready and, and the elders are helping us out. And, and all of a sudden I look out and there is some people pulling in. Cars are starting to come in. It is pouring down. It's thunder and it's lightning. And one of our elders had gone around and found two umbrellas. And he was out there, and as soon as he saw one, he would get, he would run out, and he would run out to him, and he'd be like this, and, he'd, and then he'd have the other one open, and he'd hand that to them, and they'd walk back together. And then he'd get it, and, he'd, and he'd walk to the next one. And I thought, what an act of service. What an act of love. What an act of humility by the one who got there first. No one said, do it. It was just natural. It, it, was, what, it was what God had placed in his heart to serve others. I think that's kind of what Jesus is showing and demonstrating here. 
He gets up and he starts washing the feet of these disciples until he comes to Peter, of course, right? Peter goes, ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> no way. I, he probably remember John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. How, how can he, how can you wash my feet? Speaking of being unworthy, think about those 12 Think about those men in that room that day. Do you know Luke 22 tells us that after Jesus was passed some bread and, and, the, and the glass, the cup, he said, one of you are going to betray me. And they started saying, who is it, who is it? And then they said, and then it says in Luke 22, then they started an argument among themselves about who was the greatest. Jesus, hours from his death, hours from entrusting the message of the gospel with this group. And they're arguing over who's the greatest. If it was me, if I was Jesus and I had all authority and all power, <laughs> and I'm sitting in that room and these guys are arguing over who's the greatest and I know I'm going to die and give my life for them, you know when blood starts to boil, you know, and the, the face starts getting red from here up, you know, and I, I can just understand. I can, if, if I'm Jesus, I call him out. Guys, guys, you think you're so great. You're going to deny me. You're going to betray me. But instead, he washes feet because of his great love for them. Because he loved them to the end. He loved them in spite of themselves. Jesus responds, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have... Yeah, that's quite the rebuke, isn't it? Not quite as bad as get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, but it's not a great, it's not a great comeback from Jesus. In fact, before this, though, he says, Peter, you don't understand. You don't understand now, but you will one day. And it's because just like it's been throughout John, Jesus is speaking in illustrations and metaphors, and people aren't always getting it. You might remember back in chapter 2, Jesus says, I'm going to tear this temple down, or you tear this temple down, and in three days I'll build it back up. And everybody goes, what? You can't build it in three days. They didn't know what he's talking about. In John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he goes, what? How could I? I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> How can I do that? He doesn't understand. John chapter 4, we're walking through the John, and he comes to the woman at the well, and he says, I got this living water. You'll never thirst again. And, and she goes, oh, great. Give it to me so I don't have to keep coming back to this well every day. She just didn't get it. John chapter 6, he says, unless you, to the crowd, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the crowd went, ew. <laughs> they didn't get it didn't get it. Peter here is not getting, whoops, turn my Bible around, is not getting what he has to say. So Jesus, so Peter says this, okay then, give me a bath. <laughs> if that's what you want, Jesus, take all of me. Bathe me from head to foot. Bathe me from this fingertip to this fingertip. I need it all. I want everything. If, I, if that's what I need to be part of you, give me everything. Jesus responds in verse 10 by saying this, those who have had a bath need only their, to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. 
let's stop here a second because so many, I, I, if I ask people how many times they've heard a sermon or a story on Jesus washing the feet or we talk about washing each other's feet or you've been in a foot washing service, it's probably many, many times for many of us. Maybe some of you, this is the first time. But it, it's, it's in this story we get this, this teaching of Jesus and this example of Jesus. And one of that we take from is, is God calls us to be humble like Christ. He calls us into servanthood, especially to the body of Christ. That's why, that's why we do things like running out with an umbrella in the midst of a thunderstorm. And we, we see this message of Jesus. In fact, Jesus says at the end of this, this is an example to you. Because you don't have to, you don't have to wash everybody's feet, but this is an example of how you show the love that I'm showing to you. This is an example today of how I show love. And do it. But there's, a, but there's an underlying thought. There's an underlying, there's layers of meaning in this. I don't want us to miss this today. And it's in this interchange here between Jesus and Peter. He says here, you know, if, you, if you've had a bath, you don't need to be rebathed. You're clean. You just need your feet clean. When Jesus used the word, had a bath, for those Jewish folks that were there, they may have immediately gone to their mind of a mikvah, a, a ceremonial cleansing in a, in a baptismal-like pool or, 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 body, or, or container that would, that would cleanse them ceremonially. It was a, cere- a cleansing process. and In fact, it was done on some occasions when someone would convert to Judaism. It was a ceremonial washing and it said every part of your body needs to be immersed, including hairs, which were included part of the body. So they made sure you got your hair wet too. And actually this was part of the heritage from which baptisms arisen, arose. We have, we have this new identification, this ceremonial cleansing, this surrendering to God that we do now and we did then through baptism. And as they're thinking about this, Jesus would be saying to them, you've been baptized. You're, you're part of the family of God. You've committed your life to me, he's telling us today. You have, you have surrendered your life. You are following me. You don't need to get saved all over again. Because many times we think, oh, Lord, I sinned once. Now I need to be saved again. He said, if you've been saved, if you've been washed, if you've, been, if you've taken a bath and you're standing before the Lord and you're one of his, you don't need to be saved again. But you might have some dirty feet. You might have some dirty feet. You may need me to come in and to continually do a work in your life. You see, that salvation that you went through, that, that saved you. But you know, we live in a dirty world and we get dirty feet. And day by day, there are times where we need the Lord to come in and clean us up a little bit. Clean up those feet that become dirty. And in fact, and what Jesus is saying, I think to Peter here is that unless you let me wash your feet, you're not going to be ready, willing, able to go out and wash the feet of the people I'm calling you to go to. Peter, you're, you're one of mine. I, you're already on board. You're already my own. And all of you are. You're all clean. Oh, yeah, except one of you. 
One of you, uh, not to drop any names, Judas, but you know. One of you aren't. But you are clean. You don't need to go through the bathing. You don't need, you don't need to come, come to me again, but you do need, there's some things. And, and maybe as Jesus has been hearing this, who is the greatest? He's thinking, I'm thinking a little bit of pride needs to be washed away from you right now. Years after encountering um, this upper room, John wrote a letter to believers. One of the things he wrote in here was in John 1, 8 through 9. I love these verses. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I love that and I repeat that a lot. People come to me and they confess the sin. Oh, you know, you confess that the Lord is faithful and he's just and he'll forgive you. He, he, the Lord forgives those who come and sometimes forget about that last line and purify us. Purify us. That purify is to cleanse to clean up, may I suggest, to wash. <laughs> he purifies us from all unrighteousness. This is written to Christians. This is written to people who have surrendered their life to Christ. They are living a Christian life, but they struggle still. And he says, if you claim to be without sin, um, you know, wow, uh, you, you've, you're, you're the one person that's made it. We deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus' message to us is to serve, but don't serve with dirty feet. Get our feet cleaned up. I love an Anglican writer, um, theologian uh, named Ian Paul. He writes this about John 13. He says, Christian discipleship is not simply about being nice to others. This story is so much more, so much more than just being nice to each other and washing each other's feet and, and patting each other on the back. He says, and caring for them, important though it is, as that is, it is in the first instance about allowing Jesus to serve us, to wash our feet, giving us the spiritual provision we need day by day, above and beyond the service he gives in offering his life for salvation. For those of you who call Christ Lord, he's already offered his life to us. We've already received salvation. But there's a day-by-day -day walk, a day-by-day -day presence where we offer ourselves to have our feet cleaned. Last Friday night, uh, we had the privilege of going to the um, Friends of Recovery Gala. Uh, it was a fundraiser for the new Aruka Home for women with addictions, uh, recovering from addictions, and it was, a, it was a fundraiser. We had a great time. That's a great testimony. It's one of the testimonies. The main speaker was a, a doctor who had, over the years, had... Um, gotten uh, hooked on opiates, and uh, he, he talked about, though, about his character and some of the things behind that. And he talked about his, some pride, but he also talked about this, this, this issue he had in his life about manipulation. He says, you know, before I met Christ and when I was in, in, this, in this position, I wanted to manipulate everything. I thought I could manipulate, pe manipulate people. That's how I got away with my drug addiction for so long and no one know it, knew it. I thought I could manipulate the drugs. I thought I could manipulate this. He said, but when I came to Christ, he said, that manipulation was broken. And he said, I, I became free. And I started to, to, to turn his life around. And now he's serving and, and serving the Lord in, in a medical area. And he talked about all this. And that, but then he mentioned this. But you know, every now and then, that manipulation issue pops up. Every now and then, that, that core issue of manipulation comes up, and I have to have it dealt with. Sometimes we just, when these things come up in our lives, we just kind of need to have our feet cleaned. We need to be washed. I, 
I pray this, I pray this morning especially, but every week, Lord, I don't want to get up here with dirty feet. Before we go and serve others, Jesus says, make sure your feet are clean, Peter. Make sure there's nothing in your life that is hindering the work that I have for you. I started making a list of some things that might pop up. Stubbornness. Sometimes we need to be washed of our stubbornness or unforgiveness, our selfishness, our pride, our lust, and all that goes with that. Our fear, our bitterness, our anger, dishonesty, arrogance, greed, the list goes on and on. There are things that we've been forgiven of, things that, that are covered of as, for salvation, but yet Jesus says, let me wash your feet. Because unless you wash, let me wash your feet, you are not part of me. And I want you to have clean feet when you're washing the feet of others, when you're going out and serving Dr. Paul goes on on this day-to-day provision. He says this, we cannot pray without his empowering us in prayer. We cannot grow in holiness without his forming us in holiness. We cannot lead others to faith without his work, the working of his spirit. We cannot serve others without the service he offers to us first. You see, salvation is that. It's an act. It's done. But there's a day-to-day presence that comes in and, and leads and directs us. And a lot of times, it's through that process of cleaning us up and getting us ready to go out and serve. I can't help but wonder if Peter wasn't thinking about this event many years later and thinking of Jesus standing in front of him when he wrote these words in 1 Peter 1.22. You were cleansed from your sins. Cleansed when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. It's that deep love, that deep love when we are cleansed, when our feet are finally cleaned up and our heart is free to love as Jesus loved from the beginning all the way to the end with a deep, passionate love. John in a letter again, his letter to the Christian community later, wrote this in chapter two, verse six. The one who says he remains in him, Peter, you are not of me, I wanna be one of him, must walk as Jesus walked. Let me tell you, Jesus walked with clean feet. Jesus walked with clean feet, and he says, you gotta walk that way. We gotta, we gotta push into holiness. We gotta push into the purification that brings righteousness. Push into it. And when we fall short, and some of, some of us fall short a lot, and we go for a lot of foot washings. <laughs> some of you, I hope some of you that have been Christians 20 and 30, 40 years, that, that, that you, your foot washings are less frequent. You know, we try to mature in our faith and grow. In fact, John in chapter, 1 John chapter 2, 1, he says, I write these so that you do not sin. My goal is you get there. But when we do sin, we have an advocate. We have a defense attorney. We have, may I say, we have a foot washer that's there ready to cleanse us when we do. So the question to close with today is simply this. What are you doing? What are we doing with our dirty feet? 
What are we doing with our dirty feet? How's your feet today? Where have your feet been this week? I thought about that. Where's my feet been? Has my, have my feet been in holy, righteous, good places? Have I ventured into some places where my feet get dirty? Has my heart, and again, you do understand I'm not talking about your feet, feet, right? <laughs> We're talking about where our spirit is, where our heart is. What has gotten dirty in us? Because we live in a dirty world. Where has the arrogance popped up? Where has the unforgiveness popped up? Where's a little bit of greed raise its ugly head? Where's manipulation? I got good news for you. Jesus loves us with that same love. The same love that he loved these disciples. In fact, that verse in 13, 1, says this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That to the end really can be translated to the fullest extent. He could not have loved them anymore. And so this morning, yes, we need to do good deeds. We need to care for each other. We need to love each other. But we need to do it with our own feet clean. Because you know, if you ever gone and, well, if you went out and tried to serve somebody, to share the good news of the gospel, to do a good deed, and they look down and there's something in your life that says, well, I ain't got some pretty dirty feet. Maybe we need a washing. I believe Jesus is calling us today to submit to a foot washing. Are you willing to have your feet washed? What is it in your life? Uh, we're just going to sing just a couple times through a little, a little bit here. Just to, the, the altar is open. Uh, if you want to come, if you want to come and get your feet washed up here, I mean, we don't have any water. You know what I mean. But you can do it in your seat there. You can just say, Lord, there's something in my life. There's, some, there's something in my life that got me dirty this week. Cleanse me. And he will do it because his love for you is that great. His love for you is that deep. His love for you is that intense. Would you stand with me and just respond to him today and, and offering yourselves, offering yourselves to be bathed and not be like Peter, say no, 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 no. Say yes, 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 yes. Let's, let's sing a couple of choruses there.
who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Oh, God's love. So vast, so deep, so overwhelming. Go in it this week. Serve the Lord. Let him wash your feet. Be open, be vulnerable, be willing. Because only the humble can have their feet washed. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your love for us. We're so grateful, Lord, that you lead and direct us. And Lord, that you brought us here today. And Lord, you've taught us from your word. So Father, go with us now. May your word continue to instruct us, continue to speak to us, continue to lead us as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And Lord, we know living sacrifices tend to get dirty feet. Lord, help us. Help us this week where, Lord, we get dirty. Lord, where where our our hearts are wrong, where, Lord, our mouths are saying the wrong things, our, our spirit is in a wrong place, our eyes are in the wrong place, our ears are in the wrong place. Lord, whatever it may be, Lord, call us attention to us, lead us, direct us, speak to us, so that, Lord, we can go and submit ourselves to your grace and your mercy as you clean us up. Purify us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Forgive us where we sin. And Lord, we thank you for being our advocate, for being that one who's given his life for us. And Lord, not only given his life for us, not only saved us, but works day by day by day by day to keep us clean and fit for your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Hey, brother.